0: we are talking about one of the most important locations that has ever existed, if not the most important location ever, and that is the place of heaven. We're gonna talk about some hard hitting questions about heaven, describe some things about heaven, but it's so interesting how fascinating, not just the world is, but I'm fascinated guys by the afterlife, this idea that the world has had of the afterlife. There's something in the heart of every single person that is longing and desires to know about eternity, the Bible says that eternity has been placed in your heart that there is a desire that there is a hunger that there is a longing on the inside of you and listen there is something on the inside of you share this broadcast that knows you are going to spend forever somewhere friend. that you are not going to soul sleep that you're not going to merely die and cease to exist but there's going to come a time where you breathe your last breath on earth and you stand before God in eternity and so I want to know where I'm going forever now our 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 carnal mind cannot wrap its head around eternity. Our carnal mind cannot wrap its head around forever. If you sit there and think about eternity, try to lay in bed tonight and think about eternity. Think about existing forever, like not a 100 years, not 20 years not 15 years but you are going to exist somewhere for all of eternity you're going to either exist in hell or you're going to exist in heaven for all of eternity and this is unconceivable to the carnal mind so if you've tried to wrap your mind around eternity if you sat there trying to i'm just going to try to think about forever and never ending never ending like never ending your mind is just going to keep rebooting and resetting because your mind cannot comprehend eternity so tonight we're not trying to think intellectually we're not trying to think logically logically we're not we're not trying to wrap our head around eternity when it comes to the carnal but we're trying to understand what does the Bible say about eternity because every single one of us have this in common that we are going to breathe our last breath and we're going to go somewhere friend you are going to go somewhere regardless of what you believe come on share this if you don't believe eternity is real if you don't believe you're going somewhere you are sadly mistaken the Bible says this to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord why are you shouting when you're talking about heaven because friend there is an urgency in me there is an urgency in the body of Christ right now there is an urgency in the world for us to get this gospel out there and to get this message out there because to be absent from your body so if you are not in your body then you are to be present with the lord and you will be judged so there's no option about this and i always think when people die tragically the fact that they had no clue they had no clue that the day that they woke up would be the last time that they woke up that would be the last time they got dressed the last time they walked out the door the last time they said goodbye to their family because most people that die they don't plan to die friend understand very few people plan their death very few people plan out out when they're going to die or get a deathbed for most of us we are going to slip out of this body and if you've ever heard a story or talked to someone that's died before john ramirez told me it's like slipping off your shoe when he died it's like stepping through a door you just crossed the threshold and you're standing before god in eternity and so you have to understand that this is one of the single most important topics that we can ever talk about. Because the reality is every single breath you take, and I want this to sober you up. I want you to feel the fear of the Lord. I want you to share this broadcast. Every single breath you take is one breath closer to eternity somewhere every single breath as i'm preaching every deep breath i'm taking i am one breath closer to standing in eternity i am one breath closer to standing in the realm that is never going to end and the bible says this that a wise man thinks about death constantly but a fool only worries about today. And if I'm honest, guys, I constantly think about eternity. Death is always right in the forefront of my mind. I understand that at any moment I can pass out of this life. And I've taught you guys before that eternity is not in front of you. It's on the side of you. It's not like in 20 years or in 30 years, I'm going to stand before God. Listen, there's 2,300 of you right now. Listen to this. Every single one of us are not promised our next breath. And anytime a family member passed away or a friend passed away we are reminded that we are mortal beings that we all have the disease called mortality and that we are not going to live in this body forever although we will live somewhere forever in a different body whether that's a body made for glorification or a body built for destruction we are going to live and exist for all of eternity no one's escaping doesn't matter if you're atheist doesn't matter if you believe you're going to exist somewhere forever and what's amazing to me and this is something i've always wrestled with is that we will spend weeks and weeks planning a vacation but we don't even think about come on help me preach tonight but we don't even talk about or consider where we are going to spend forever i don't understand this how could we not consider where we're going to spend forever but we consider how long we're going to go to disneyland what car we're going to rent what what hotel we're going to go to and we plan for weeks and weeks and weeks to go to our dream vacation but god is saying when's the last time come on let's get challenged tonight. When's the last time you planned where you are going to spend forever? When's the last time you planned where you are going to spend eternity? And we never even consider to think about this. And when we plan a vacation, what do we do? We look into the hotel that we're going to stay at. We look at what type of hotel. We look at the car that we're going to rent. We check out the different food places. Why do we do all this? Because we want to know about the destination that we're going to be spending time at. So we research all that we can research. How much more should you know that destination where you're going to spend forever at if you are a believer if you are a follower of Christ then guess what you will be spending forever in a place called heaven I want to know about that place now my goal tonight is not to share a bunch of near-death experiences although I believe it is biblical and I believe it is possible to die on an operating table and to go to heaven and then come back because of modern medicine we can bring people back to life when people say. I was dead and I went to heaven and I came back in my body. That's very possible because of modern medicine, but that is not my aim or that is not my goal tonight is not to tell you story after story of people dying and coming back. My aim is to see what does the Bible say about the actual place called heaven. So we're not talking about experiences that people had when they died to come back. That's subjective and praise the Lord. Um, that's great, but that's not objective according to the word of God, that's subjective and that's open to interpretation because people can flat out, and I've heard stories where I'm like, that's not God. People can flat out make stuff up and talk about stuff that's anti-biblical. So our goal is to talk about what the Bible says. Now, when we talk about hell, it often gives us a burden to share our faith to make sure that nobody goes there because hell is a very sobering topic. But as we talk about heaven, there should be a similar response because we want our friends and our families there with us. I want listen to me closely come on help me tonight share this broadcast I want my kids there with me in heaven I want my family members there with me in heaven I want them to experience this incredible place for eternity and I don't want to go to heaven alone why is it as believers that you are content with going to heaven by yourself some of you watching right now you say Isaiah I'm not content with going to heaven alone then why don't you share your faith then why don't we tell people about what God has done in our life then why don't we open up our mouth and share the experiences and the encounters that we've had with God then why don't we pray Lord send me into the harvest and use me in whatever capacity whether that's in social media whether that's pouring into my children whether I'm a police officer whether I'm at the grocery store or whether I work at Starbucks wherever I work Lord I want you to give me a burden because I'm not content with living a secret Christian life and dying. And let's forget about hell. Hell's a terrible place that I don't want any of my family to go. But where is the burden to say, Lord, you have created, you have designed this place that is beyond incredible, this place that words. And I promise you, and as we start this broadcast, I will fail to do heaven justice tonight. There is no words in the human language that could describe the power of heaven, the place of heaven, the glory and the majesty. And we will talk about, do you have memory in heaven? Do you know what's going on on earth? I'm going to give you all of that tonight. Answer all your questions about marriage in heaven theologically i'm going to give you all answers tonight but i want you to understand and i want you to get the burden have a burden for the lost. if we do not have a burden for the lost and the broken we are playing church if we don't have a burden for the lost and broken we are playing religion god wants to give you a burden for the lost, the hurting and the broken people and because i don't think we even fail to think about i mean i think we fail to think about that we want to bring people with us to heaven, one hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand. Think about this. people die every single day. And do you understand that these two hundred thousand people that die every day, they're going somewhere. Friend, they're going somewhere. So is it important that we know where we're going? Is it important that we share our faith with people? It is a travesty. And you know, I've had this in my own life saying, Lord, why does this not keep me up at night? Why am I not tossing and turning knowing I have family members that are not going to heaven? I have family members that don't know you. And there has to be a brokenness, guys. I get emotional talking about this because there has to be a brokenness in us to say, forget about all the glamour and the lights. I could care less what does it matter if we have all the followers the fame the career and the money in the bank if we all of our friends and family die and go to hell because we failed to open up our mouth now you cannot make people saved you cannot force salvation come on who am I preaching to on anybody but friend there's it's a travesty when you when you don't realize the power that you have in God you don't realize the burden that you need to have do we have that burden do we wrestle or is it just netflix that keeps us up at night is it just instagram that keeps us up how is it that TikTok, and i'm preaching to myself tonight that TikTok keeps me up at night but a burden for friends and family don't how is it that i neglect the praise of prayer that i'm not targeting my family in prayer i'm not targeting my friends in prayer and I'm, I'm mad at god saying god why have not you saved them why aren't they going to heaven why aren't they believers but then on the other side of it i'm not even praying for them i'm not even targeting them in prayer and so god is looking for some people that would have such a burden i pray as we talk about heaven the glory the majesty the power and the beauty of heaven i pray that a heavy burden i pray you would not click off this tonight and a heavy burden would rest on you and you begin to understand that it is so important that we know about eternity and that our friends and family are going there because we shared the gospel with them. So the current death rate, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The current death rate is 100%. There is not one of you that are going to escape death. Every single one of us are going to die and there's no escaping it that we're all mortal that our lives are fragile and that any moment we can pass into eternity so i could literally and this is not morbid the bible says the wise think about death constantly i can pass into eternity in five minutes and not even finish this message. Is it a real reality that I could pass away in the next five minutes and not finish the message? Absolutely. That is not out of the realm of possibility. And so I need to live my life, not going to get ready, but I need to live my life ready to be able to stand before God in eternity. In fact, David said in Psalms 39, four, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. So David's asking God to show him how many days he has. Let me know how fleeting my life is, David says you have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of years is nothing before you. Each man, listen to what David says here. And I'm reading the chat here. Each man's life is but a breath. And this is David saying your life. Listen to me, friend. And I just, listen, I get chills talking about this. Your life is fleeting. That means your life is escaping you it's passing you by you literally blink and your life is over and he says each man's life is but a breath this is your bible so this is what he's saying when you go outside in the cold morning and you breathe out and you see your breath as fast as you can see your breath appear in the cold weather it's gone and david said that my friends is exactly how your life on earth is you breathe out your mouth The breath is gone and your life is over. And that is how quick your life is here now, and then it is gone. And I'm not trying to depress you, friend. I'm trying to make you feel the weight of how serious eternity is and that why we need to seize the day. Listen to me, why we need to enjoy our children, why we need to live our lives for God, why we need to be stopped being so distracted by our cell phones, by our TVs, and by social media. And I'm gonna be honest and open with you guys, as I always am, as I preach, I am so frustrated with myself oftentimes by how much time I spend on this thing right here. My cell phone, look, it's right by, never leaves me, it's always by me. I am sickened by how much time I spend on my cell phone and I'm frustrated now I don't even respond to your guys' messages most of them because I get 300 a day and I would have to become more of a slave to this just to get back to you guys so you know what I chose to do instead of being a slave to my cell phone C-E-L-L and this becoming a prison for me I said you know what I'm one person I'll respond to the people I could get to but I'm not going to slave I'm not going to break my back and I'm not going to miss out on my life and listen to me strong tonight so that I can respond to every single person because as I'm responding to you guys, listen to me, my kids are growing up and I'm missing it. As I'm responding to you guys, my life is passing me by fleeting. And so I want you to stop Right now and understand that your life is passing you by that you don't have time to sit around for hours and hours veg like a vegetable on social media and on culture when your life is passing you by because here's the bottom line reality friend that one day I am going to sit in, in my 70s and I'm going to reminisce and again I fight emotions when I talk about this but this is how real this is tonight I will sit in my 70s and I will reminisce on times past and I will wish that I spent more time being present. I will wish that I spent more time living for God. Nobody lays on their deathbed, friend, and says, I wish I can go back so that I could have partied more. I wish that I can go back and made more money. I wish I can go back, and I wish I would have wasted more time on Instagram, on TikTok. I wish I w- would have watched more TikTok videos. I wish I would have watched more Instagram and more YouTube and more Netflix. That is not how anyone says, I wanna live my life right now as if I'm on my deathbed. Because here's the thing, I'm on my deathbed right now. I'm living on my deathbed because the Bible says that Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. That your life is passing you by, and so I want to live as if I'm dying tomorrow. I want to live as if eternity is right in front of me, stamped on my eyes. And so I don't want to live my life thinking I have all this time to spend all day on Instagram and all day. And yo, I am preaching to myself. So don't sit back and say, "Who does this preacher think he is?" I am telling you, our life goes by too quick. Your children go from coming out of the womb to graduating high school, to graduating college, to all sudden you blink you go from being at the hospital with your kid being born and you blink and you're at the hospital with your child giving birth and you're holding your grandkid and that is life guys I know some of you are putting crying faces you're crying right now that's the reality feel the weight of the reality now I'm 29 years old I'll be 30 years old next month and I think about this stuff some of you say you're too young to think about this friend I could remember yesterday I could remember 15 minutes ago I was sitting at the DMV, I remember this vividly, about to get my driver's permit. I was 15 and a half years old. I got my permit the day I turned 15 and a half, and I felt like I had all this time, and I felt like I'd live five lives, and I blinked my eyes. I was sitting in the DMV, 15 and a half, and I blinked, and I'm turning 30 years old. I have four kids, and I'm telling you guys, and my children are growing, and my second one's about to start school, and I'm going, gosh, where is my time gone? Where is time gone? and this is what you feel right now you feel this now you feel this urgency and you feel this anticipation because your life is passing you by and so why do we keep waiting until we're at the end of our life to seize the day i want to give you this challenge friend. seize the day because your life is fleeting and you're going to spend forever somewhere in fact jesus said in john 14 1 do not let your hearts be troubled trust in god but also in me in my father's house are many rooms and if it were not so I would not have told you he said I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you with me so you could also be where I am so Jesus makes this promise that I'm going to go with you I'm going to go and prepare something for you so no matter what you're going through listen to me there is coming a day where all of this in this life is going to fade away where sickness is going to fade away come on help me preach where depression is going to fade away, where fear will fade away, where hate and envy will be non-existent, there is coming a day where every tear will be wiped away. Jesus, right now, as I'm preaching right now, Jesus is preparing something for you and me. He is preparing, the Bible says, a place for us. There is a dwelling place that God is preparing for his people. Now, this is only for his people that he's preparing. Um, This is a benefit of being a son and daughter of God, which the Bible says that God gives us a right to be a son and daughter of God Jesus is preparing something Revelation 2 21 4 says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more or death will not exist. Neither shall there be mourning. Neither shall there be crying. Neither shall there be pain for the former things have now passed away. So friend, I want to tell you that your storm is not going to last forever. And there's been moments where I've gone through hard times. And this is what Paul said. I consider these present trials, nothing in comparison to the glory that lies before me, that's waiting for me. But there is a promise of heaven. There is a promise of eternity that is waiting for us If we put our faith in God, if we trust in God. So we have this incredible promise. Now, Jesus also came to deliver us. And this we're going to also see tonight. And God's going to do this tonight supernaturally. Deliver us from the fear of death. I do not fear. Let me just say this. I'm not bragging, but I'm going to show you this. I do not fear death whatsoever. In fact, if I'm being honest, I look forward to dying. I remember before I was a believer, I was so afraid to die. I mean, I had this constant fear of death. I don't know what it was. Well, I know what it was. It was demonic and it wasn't, I was not a believer. I remember getting saved and now I don't fear death. I look forward to death. If you fear death, I believe that God wants to deliver you tonight because Jesus came to deliver you from the fear of death. Well, how do you know? Because Hebrews 2:14 says, "so that by his death he might destroy him," oh, I love this preaching, who holds the power of death. So by the death on the cross, he might destroy him who holds the enemy, the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So the Bible says in Hebrews 2:14 that Jesus destroyed the one The power of the one that holds the power of death, which was the enemy, because remember Jesus took the keys of death back from Satan and he freed those who lived their entire lives and were held by the slavery of the fear of death if you are afraid of dying you are a slave to the fear you are a slave you're living in slavery did you hear that God wants to set you free from the fear of death and I believe tonight by the power of God and by the word of God God is going to set you free that no longer are you going to fear death that you are going to get out of this broadcast And you're gonna say i don't care what happens to me because i do not fear death because my faith and my confidence is not found in my works but it's found in the finished work of the cross and i want you to notice that our works did not destroy the fear of death Our works did not destroy the power of hell. And another broadcast, I'll talk about the different judgments, the judgment of faith and the judgment of works. I'm not doing it tonight because I don't have time. But I want you to know that it was Jesus, the work he did, not the work you did, the work he did on the cross that destroyed the power of death. So some of you might say, well, I don't know if I'm saved, brother. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Understand that Jesus was the one that did the work. It's not about striving. It's not about doing all this work. It's about putting your faith in Jesus and what he did. And it's no wonder that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 1555 where oh death is your victory where oh death is your sting paul is taunting death he says death you've lost your power death you've lost your sting jesus has overcome death hell and the grave and a relationship with jesus will deliver you from the fear of death now listen those that have no relationship with jesus Of course they fear death and they should fear death because the only thing waiting for them is a fiery lake of eternal fire. That's the only thing waiting. But those of us that are believers, we have nothing to fear. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus tonight, Do not gamble any longer. Do not mess with this any longer. Do not take any chances any longer Eternity write this down is too long to be wrong. Now is the day of salvation Now is the time to get saved. I believe some of you tonight after you hear this you're gonna be like I want to serve God I want to know God. I want to spend forever with God. I want to get serious about the things of God I'm tired of playing religion. I'm tired of playing games. I need God in my life now is the moment now's the hunger and I know some of you already because I'm talking about eternity you're feeling a stirring you're feeling the Holy Spirit beginning to move in your life you're feeling the Holy Spirit begin to draw you right now the same drawing that pulled me out that altar January 12 2011 is drawing you is pulling you and you need to know that Satan does not want you looking forward to heaven in fact satan does not want you to even believe heaven is real the bible says in revelation 13:6 that the satanic beast opened up his mouth to blaspheme god and to slander his name listen to this and slander his dwelling place and those who live in heaven so the devil slanders god he slanders god's people and he slanders the dwelling place of God, which is heaven. And it's no wonder the devil hates heaven. He doesn't want us talking about heaven. He doesn't want us thinking about heaven. He doesn't want us looking forward to heaven because the devil got kicked out of heaven and will never be able to live there again. We talked about last week. So his goal now is to make sure that you never live there. This is the devil's number one goal is to make sure that you never live in his old residence, that you never live. It's like if he lived in a 50 bedroom mansion, and he got kicked out and he's homeless now living in the front of the mansion in a cardboard box and every person that comes to put an offering on the mansion He doesn't want them. He's angry. He's resentful towards them because he used to live in the mansion Now he lives in a cardboard box the devil used to live in that 50 bedroom mansion and the devil has lost He is a loser and I'm not being derogatory towards the enemy because the Bible says don't blaspheme supernatural beings, but he is an actual loser and he's lost his rightful dwelling place. So the devil's not only bitter at God, but he's also bitter at heaven. There's nothing he can do. To make his way back to living there. That is his old location. He'll never be able to get back So what better way for the devil and his demons to attack us than to make up lies and misconceptions about heaven? And what heaven's like he does not he does not need to convince you It's not real all he needs to do is convince you that the the real place called heaven is a boring place That you don't really want to think about you don't really want to focus on and you don't really want to go to so the devil he downplays heaven. He doesn't want you talking about it. He doesn't want this broadcast. You might say, "Why? Well, I am not, I don't really want to be in here because I just want to hear about demons and deliverance. Friend, you got to understand the devil is more mad right now than he's ever been because we're talking about his old address. And he hates the fact the Bible says the beast blasphemes the dwelling place of God. So he wants to convince you that heaven's a boring place that you need to be detached. And if we believe this, and here's the lie, if we believe this, we will live our entire lives set, setting our mind on things on earth and Not things of heaven and will not live motivated to share our faith. Why would we share our faith if we don't think the place that we're going to is the most incredible place to ever exist? Why would we share our faith? If we have this mindset that heaven is boring, heaven is far off, heaven is detached, we're just going to be having a big long prayer reading for all of eternity. If we don't understand the true Biblical concepts and the power of heaven and the glory and the majesty and the pleasure of heaven, then why are we going to share our faith with people? Why are we going to tell people anything about God? So, when you understand the glory, the majesty, and the power, you'll start sharing your faith. And this is why Colossians chapter 3, I'm giving you so many verses tonight, says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights or set your mind on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of God, of honor at God's right hand. So here we have heaven, Christ sitting at the right place on her hand of God, at the right hand of God. And then it says, think about things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden, in Christ, uh, hidden with Christ in God. So this is what Paul is saying. Your mind needs to be set on heaven, not the heavenly realm, not the spiritual realm, the actual place of heaven. This is what Paul says, I want you to think about heaven. Now, how often do we think about heaven? I don't know hardly ever I don't spend a lot of time thinking about heaven but here's what I'm realizing the more that we think about heaven the more we set our mind on the things of heaven the less we have time to think about the the things of this world the less we have time to strive and listen praise the Lord for nice cars praise the Lord for nice houses but the bottom line is everything you're thinking about the I can't wait to get the car the job the house the kid the career all of that is gonna be dust one day. So here's what the writer is saying. You need to think about the things of heaven. Think about heaven because your mind and your 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 um, mind needs to be set on the eternal realm. Do not live your life where the only thing you think about is the natural. The only thing you think about is things on earth. The only things you think about are things right now in the temporary. And the one translation says, set your heart on things in heaven. So literally set your heart on things above. So we're commanded to set our heart and to set our mind on Heaven so you might say why is it important we talk about heaven because the Bible says to set our mind on it now how can you think about something that you know nothing about do so do you see how important it is because we're supposed to live in excitement to heaven we're supposed to live in anticipation God designed us to live in anticipation of heaven that the Bible says that this earth this body is just a tent We are just passing through. How many know you don't live in a tent permanently? You go camping for a week, you live in a tent, and you pack it up. That's what this body is, that we are passing through. We are sojourners, that we are pilgrims in this land, and this place is not our home. This physical place is not our home, that we're actually going somewhere. It's like when you go on vacation, you stay at a hotel. You didn't go on vacation to stay at the hotel. You went on vacation to go to the theme park. The hotel is merely a part of the journey, but you actually went for the theme park. Heaven is what we're actually aiming for we're currently living in a hotel earth is a hotel it's a natural temporary dwelling place but it's not our home this is not your home so don't get so comfortable Some of you are so comfortable. It's like, would you go to a hotel? And I've been to hundreds of hotels traveling for the last 10 years. Would you go to a hotel and start decorating and start putting furniture up and start putting pictures on the wall and putting your family picture up on the wall at the hotel? No, you're not going to decorate. You're not going to put pictures up because you don't care because you know, in three days you're going to pack up and leave. So you're not going to get invested to the hotel room yet. So many of you are invested on your life in earth when this life is just temporary, you're just passing by. And so we need to understand understand heaven's a real place heaven's an actual place scripture describes as a garden as a city and as a kingdom so don't just think of heaven as some spiritual place we float off to but understand it's set up as an actual place there's actually a city there's actually houses there's actually gardens there's actually a a crystal lake there's actually streets paved with gold this is a literal place That we're going to dwell in and the reason why it's so hard to set our mind on things above is because the enemy is keeping us distracted by the things on earth you need to be intentional by meditating on christ you need to be intentional on focusing on heaven and focusing on christ your mind is not going to think about heaven by chance you're not going to be sitting one day going oh i really want to think about heaven you have to be intentional about thinking of heaven and i don't know if i'm the only one tired of living for this earthly life am i the only one tired of being wrapped up on the things of this world i want to set my mind come on type one in the chat if you're with me i want to set my mind on things on heaven i want to set my mind in heavenly realities where christ sits at the right hand of god the father i don't want to live my life separated detached or disconnected from the reality of heaven I want to set my mind there because remember my job and most people might say, well, brother, don't be so heavenly high. Come on. Have you heard this? That you're no earthly good, but understand that the only people that say that are carnal people, they're carnal and they want you to be carnal like them. So just ignore the people that say that because if you're not heavenly high, you're no earthly good. The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus said, when you pray, pray that our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And notice what Jesus says when he says, this is how you pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to make heaven look like earth. So that's why we need to know about heaven because we're called to make earth look like it. So our job is to manifest God's kingdom on the earth the same way God's kingdom is structured and manifest in heaven. Jesus said, that's how you pray. So if there's no sickness in heaven, it's God's will for people to get healed. If there's no demons in heaven, which there's not, by the way, it's God's will for people to get delivered. If there's no anxiety in heaven, it's God's will tonight that you would break out of anxiety. If there's no bitterness or resentment in heaven, it's not God's will for you to be bitter, to be unforgiving. and to be resentful our job is to make earth look like heaven and to manifest through the power of the Holy Spirit the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven now what you need to understand and here's what the world does not understand about heaven heaven is not our default destination our default destination write this down is actually hell the majority of the world does not think that they're gonna die and go to hell because they believe that they are quote-unquote good people and the problem with heaven is this being a good person is not enough to get you into heaven Romans 3 23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so here's what you need to know about heaven sin cannot enter the Bible says the presence of God so because of our sin we are not able to enter heaven friend you know that you are not able in your sin you are not able to gain entrance to heaven you're not able to go in because sin cannot dwell in the presence of God and God is holy and we are not holy and the Bible says our greatest righteousness is like filthy rags so I'm a sinner the Bible says we've all sinned Romans 3 23 I cannot enter into heaven because sin cannot enter into the actual presence of God so heaven is not my default destination there is not one person this is good I'm blessing myself tonight there is not one person in heaven that got there accidentally there's not one person in heaven that went there automatically every single person listen to me closely tonight every single person in heaven is there because their sin issue was resolved by the work the finished work that christ did on the cross oh i wish i can get an amen in the chat that's some good preaching so every single person had their sin issue resolved and received the work that christ did on the cross now how many funerals in the chat type this have you gone to where the person was completely wicked the pastor said Oh, they're just resting in peace and they the pastor promised their family that they were going to heaven there's nobody at funerals that's like man i'm so sad they're in hell unless you're a real believer you're not going to say that we're always like oh they went to heaven people with unforgiveness people with bitterness people with addiction, people that never received the gospel, people that were atheist, a pastor will stand up and say, oh, praise the Lord, we know that they're resting in peace. Friend, there is no resting in peace if you don't die with a relationship with Jesus. There's no rest for the wicked. The Bible says the wicked get no rest. So there's no resting in peace if you don't have relationship, but the mindset of the world is that heaven is the default location. So write this down, heaven is not the default location. Jesus said small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to heaven, that few are going to find it. Not because he doesn't want everyone to find it, but few choose to live the narrow life that you have to live to have a relationship with Christ. It's imperative right now to know you're going to heaven. Now, listen, I wanna make something clear because I do not want a bunch of you to be like, now I'm questioning my salvation. It's one thing to get convicted and have a healthy question where you're like, I need to test myself to see if Christ is among you. It's another thing to be a born again, believer, walking with Christ and always doubt your salvation. That is not God. God does not want you to live your life, doubting your salvation. That is a plan and a scheme of the enemy, but you need to understand. You might say, how do I know if I'm going to heaven? How do I know? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's the best way to know. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it is the faith that you put in Christ that makes you eligible to go to heaven. Now I'm not going to go in this tonight, but there's two judgments. There's a judgment of faith where you're judged on your faith and that's how you gain entrance into heaven. And then there's a final judgment before the new Jerusalem, and that's a judgment of works. That's the final judgment. I'll go into it another time. I don't want to confuse you, but you need to understand that it's having a relationship, it's repenting of your sin, it's turning to God, and it's putting your faith in God without repenting you cannot be saved without turning from your sinful ways you cannot be saved someone said that's wrong well I don't know what church you go to you must be going to a Jehovah's Witness Church but I'm telling you right now you must put your faith in Jesus and you must believe in the work he did on the cross and you must call and ask him to save you and you need to repent now acts two thirty-eight, the people said what must we do to be saved it's very simple you don't need to know Greek Peter said repent of your sin be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit not that baptism was necessary or you can't be saved because we know the thief on the cross wasn't baptized and the bible says i'll see you jesus said i'll see you today in paradise but paul but peter was saying these are the steps you need to take to walk out your salvation you need to first of all repent change the way you think ask the lord to change you to renew you and to restore you and then you need to be baptized and then receive the holy spirit now again Not that you're not saved if you haven't been baptized or not that you haven't been saved if you haven't received the Holy Spirit. These are the steps to walking with Jesus. So you need to understand that you have to have a relationship with Jesus and that produces a changed lifestyle. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself. I have to lay down my life. I have to pick up my cross and follow after Jesus. That's how I know I'm saved. That relationship with Jesus is what gives me assurance of salvation. If you have that relationship, now the devil will still come and say, you're not saved you're not saved but you need to remember the devil is the father of lies and his native tongue is lying so do not listen to the enemy your salvation is secure listen to me closely if you have repented put your trust in christ and you have a relationship with him okay so that is very simple repented put your trust in Christ and have a relationship. And I don't care what you say. Oh, you need to do this, 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 this. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says is to be saved. Romans 6 23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is a gift. So eternal life is not something we earn. It is a gift of God that cannot be earned by human works. The only way we receive it is by putting our faith in Christ and walking with Christ. So you do not get into heaven because of your sin. So then how do you get there, okay? Cuz you can't go in. Right now in your sin state, you cannot get into heaven. We're not able. We literally can't get through the gate. 2 Corinthians 5:21 has the answer of how we're going to get in because we can't get in in our own nature. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5:21 that God made him Christ who had no sin, listen to this, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you cannot get into heaven Heaven is not your default location. You by default are on your way to hell. Christ says, so that you can make it in, I'm going to become your sin. The one that knew no sin became sin. Okay, it's not works. You cannot gain salvation through works. I'm going to become your sin. And guess what? You're going to become the righteousness of God. This is imputed righteousness. This is not righteousness I've earned. It's not because Isaiah lives. Holy. It's not because Isaiah did anything special. It's because I put my faith in the finished work of the cross. I repented of my sin and now I'm able, oh, I feel the Holy spirit so strong and this is good gospel preaching y'all. I'm able to now take on the righteousness of God. And now Isaiah could never get into heaven because remember, sin cannot be in the presence of God but now because I have the righteousness of God I'm able to walk right in as if I'm walking in the righteousness of Christ so Christ took on that sin put it on and put on the righteousness of Christ onto you so you were not able but now you're justified by faith through Christ to be able to stand before God as if you've never sinned before are you listening to me tonight this is the good news the good news is not pray a prayer and live like the world for the rest of your life the good news is that christ died in your place the bible says he didn't die for sin the bible says the son of man became sin the one that knew no sin became sin why because cursed is any man that hangs on a tree and so they hung him up on that tree he became the curse so that the bible says you can become the righteousness of god so that you're able to stand before god as if you never sin now is there any other way isaiah that i can get into heaven is there any other way say i don't have relationship say i went to church and i and i went but i didn't really have relationship i didn't really believe i kind of went once a year is there any other way no acts 4 12 says salvation is found in no one else but jesus for there is no other name uh, given unto men which we may be might must be saved so there's no other name nobody listen to this is going to get to heaven because someone else had a relationship with god for them no one's going to get to heaven because their parents were saved no one's going to get to heaven because they had a friend that went to church nobody is going to get to heaven because they were raised in church that is not an, a, a prerequisite to getting in there's not i know somebody in here please let me in None of these things are gonna help you because there's no other name and no other way to get in but through Jesus. He's the door, he's the entrance. Don't let any other pastor preacher, I hate when pastors get on these talk shows and they're like, is there other ways and how are you guys the only one, are you right? And the pastor says this, well, um, there's no well. Um, If somebody asks you, is there any other religion or any other way to get into heaven and you say, well, you're a false teacher and you're an error. Or if you say, um, you're a false teacher. The answer is there is no other way which any man can be saved but through Jesus. Let me say that loud for some of you in the back. There is no other way. So my good works are not a way in. My mom being a Christian listen to me teenagers is not a way in my cousin being a preacher is not a way in being raised in the church listen to me young people is not a way in I wish somebody told me this, but I have to work out my own salvation through fear and trembling. Now let's talk about what heaven is actually like now we've discussed on how to get there. The Bible, let me just say this, does not have a crazy amount of stuff to say about what heaven is actually like, but we can draw clues from things and examples in scripture of things that are going on in heaven to see what heaven is like. Again, we're not going over experiences. We can sit all night long. There's been extensive books written about near-death experiences. I've read them before, what people saw the river and the family. That's not what I want to talk about because what I'm preaching tonight is not based on experience. It's based on the written word of God because the word of God you can take to the bank I cannot take your near-death experience to the bank before God but I can take God at his word and see what his word says now revelation 6 9 gives us a bunch of insight into heaven it says this when the lamb opened up the fifth seal I saw under the altar, this is in heaven, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little bit longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed had been completed. So these people are in heaven. They were the same ones who were killed for Christ while they lived on earth. These are literal martyrs. These are not figurative people. These are not imaginary martyrs. These are literal people that were martyred on the earth that now John is seeing in heaven. So this makes it very clear, write this down. Because of this verse, I can say this confidently, that you will have a unique identity in heaven that correlates back to your life on earth write that down you're going to have a unique identity that correlates back to your life on earth it will not be a separate identity it will not be a new identity you will have the same identity that you had on earth when you get to heaven because they were martyrs on earth they died and now they're still martyrs and they remember that they were martyred for their faith. so they have a remembrance of that okay so they're not different people some of you think that you're a different person the people from earth are merely relocated to heaven so it won't be like now listen I'm gonna give you more verses later so just don't start manifesting it won't be like your memory is erased and you will not know what you did on earth in heaven I'm going to be fully aware that I was a preacher on earth and I will be fully aware of what I did on earth. And there's other places in scriptures that I'll go into later that make it clear, but this is the clearest verse that we need to know that these men were fully aware of what they did on earth. People in heaven will also be identified and remembered for their lives on earth because these people, the Bible says, were identified as those that had been slain because of the testimony that they maintained. So they're identified in heaven by what they did on earth. Another thing we learn from these martyrs is they are fully conscious and aware of each other and of God, and listen to this, this is not Isaiah's theology, this is your Bible. And they were aware of the situation going on on earth, which I'm gonna share about later. In fact, they actually knew, according to Revelation, they knew the people that had killed them and they knew that the men, the people that killed them had not yet been judged. So they clearly, what do they remember? Their life on earth and they remember how they died. They remember they died as martyrs. So they did have have an idea of their life on earth. I know many people say, when you get to heaven, you're not gonna know how you die. You're not gonna know anything about people. Your family your friends are all gonna be, we're gonna go into that, but you need to understand they were fully aware. Now we often teach or think people in heaven are detached from what God God is going, going on in earth or what God is doing in the earth. But this makes it clear that these people in heaven that John is seeing, these are people in heaven under the altar, are fully aware of what's going on on the earth. In fact, it says in verse 10, that they ask God to intervene on earth and to act on their behalf. So those in heaven are free to ask God questions. So can you ask God questions according to this verse? you can ask God questions in heaven come on that's a win right there which means there is also so if you can ask questions it also means there is a need to learn in heaven so if you're in here like am I going to learn in heaven you're going to learn stuff in heaven people in heaven do desire understanding and knowledge because they're asking God a question you would never need to ask a question if you didn't have a need or desire to learn so if we automatically say we got to heaven and we knew everything We wouldn't need to ask questions but i believe that a billion years this is my belief okay a billion years will go by in heaven and we will still have so much to learn about god think about this the seraphim a trillion years go by and the seraphim look at god and they sing holy 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 as if they've never seen him before this is the awe. now i know you're in your mind you're like how does this make sense it will never take a billion years friend a billion years will go by and you'll barely start to understand the knowledge of god and learn about god so heaven is going to be a place of complete exploration, a journey we go on, where we're continually learning. They also ask, "How long until God judged these people?" Showing that, listen to this, there's also an understanding of time passing in heaven. Here's their question how long how much time until you judge these people so heaven also again time is relevant people say times are relevant in heaven you're not going to know time and it's not going to matter what's going on, on earth there's a relevant understanding of time even in heaven because these martyrs said and this is only like five verses I'm drawing all this out of these martyrs said is now the time when are you going to judge these people we know we died on earth as martyrs we know we're in heaven now we're aware of God we're asking God questions and we want to know when so here's the next question I want to go over do people in heaven remember their life on earth now I believe the answer is yes not only because of the martyrs we just talked about but according to luke 16 25 it talks about the rich man and lazarus and it describes how god comforts us when we live a life of agony or pain so the bible says that god comforted this poor man remember the dogs were licking his sores in luke 16 25 and the the poor man was being comforted because the bible says he lived a life of agony or pain so think about this some of them that say how i will never remember my life on earth why would God need to comfort you? Your agony and pain. If you have no memory of the bad things that happened to you, why would you need to be comforted? So the Bible says in heaven, he's being comforted because he lived a life of agony and pain. So it's clear he remembered his life and now God is comforting him because he went through agony and pain. Also, the Bible says, listen to this. Okay, some said they don't agree. That's okay. You don't have to agree. Let me give you more verses. Also, the Bible says that we will give an account when we die. So we're going to die stand before God now we're in heaven and we're going to give an account even to every word spoken so think about this if we didn't remember anything how would we give an account for anything if our memory is wiped clean what could i give an account for if my memory is wiped clean but it seems as if we have an elevated memory. So our memory will probably be actually better than it is on Earth because we're going to take into account. I can't even remember what I ate yesterday, let alone every word that I've spoken. So in heaven, you're not going to be a different person. Because again, go to Revelation. Revelation says they were martyrs on Earth and they're martyrs in heaven. You're not going to be a different person. You're going to be relocated out of your natural body into a glorified body and transform. Will there be some memories deleted? Possibly but your identity will not be removed now is it possible God can remove certain memories I think more than likely there will be memories that get removed like when we get to heaven negative memories trauma I believe those will probably get removed but remember the Bible says that God comforted him in heaven because of the pain and agony he went through on earth so God can remove memories but you will still have according to scripture again You don't have to agree with me you can debate me go read the scripture that's what i'm giving you so i am fully convinced that we will have a memory of our life on earth it's not just start over i don't know what's going on the martyrs knew what was going on okay next question i want to go over again you don't have to agree with me i'm giving you verses here is do people in heaven see what's happening on earth well, we know cause I just told you that the martyrs in heaven knew that their persecutors had not yet been judged. So the martyrs were able to somehow know or somehow see that they'd not been yet judged. And the Bible says this, when Babylon is brought down, an angel points out to events happening on earth. And here's what the angel says, rejoice over her, O heaven, rejoice saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way that she has treated you. So the angel specifically addresses people living in heaven and indicates that they are aware of what's happening on the earth. So now the angel's telling the people, this is what's going on and they have some type of knowledge again this doesn't mean you're going to know everything guys listen to what i'm saying don't twist what i'm saying but they do have knowledge of what's going on in the end time church and the end time harmony okay revelation 19 says there is a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting hallelujah and praising god for specific events of judgment that took place on the earth think about this God judges something in the earth and revelation 19 says a great multitude these are not angels listen a great multitude in heaven is shouting hallelujah and praising God now if people in heaven couldn't see what's going on on earth then how are these people knowing to shout and praise when God is vindicating his people how about this one? This one's going to, if you're now, I already know you religious people, you're squirming, you're manifesting, you're going to manifest more when I show you this first Samuel chapter 28, I, I did a whole video called familiar spirits on this first Samuel 28, the witch of Endor. There's a witch in Endor that Samuel, I'm sorry, that Saul tells to come. Okay. Saul asked the witch of Endor to summon Samuel. He says, "Will you bring Samuel back from the dead so I can talk to him. The witch summons Samuel from the dead is freaked out because Samuel actually comes from the dead. He's terrified and Samuel remembered what Saul had done before Samuel died and he was aware of what happened since he died. So think about this. Samuel dies. The witch of Endor conjures up, calls Samuel back to the earth. Samuel appears and Samuel knows the things that Saul did after Samuel died. So how did Samuel know the things that Saul did after Samuel died? because people in heaven are somehow aware of what's going on on earth. So understand now I did extensive research, guys. I did hours of research on the witch of Endor in first Samuel 28. And here's what I here's why I did research, because I wanted to know, was it actually a uh, uh, Samuel or was it a familiar spirit or was it a ghost or was it fake? But here's where I came to the conclusion. I studied the Hebrew guys. I did the study, okay? And by the way, if you're new and you're like, you don't know your Bible. I went to Bible college. Praise the Lord. Put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. But I want to say this after all of my research looking at the hebrew looking at every commentary you can think of i came to the conclusion over every hebraic grammarian that's someone who studies hebrew here's what they've all said she actually summoned samuel it was not a demon it was not just a spirit but she actually summoned samuel now, I don't know how God allows this or why this would happen. I can't explain that. But I just want you to know Samuel was aware of what Saul did and remembered even after he died what Saul did. Another indication, again, according to Scripture, that we know what's going on from heaven into earth. Okay. Luke 9, let's look at this, talks about the transfiguration where Moses and Elijah showed up, and I'm sure they were fully aware of what was going on when they appeared. So Moses and Elijah showed up on the Mount Transfiguration. Now Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus, and they're not confused. They're not like, well, what's going on down here? And fill us in, what's going on? They knew what was going on when they appeared. Another indication that people in heaven can know what's going on on earth. Okay, here's another one for you, because some of you are still too religious for this. Hebrews 12:1 says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us this is creating the mental picture of greek competitions which fans were sitting up high watching the ancient stadiums and watching the greek athletes and this is what the bible says the great cloud of witnesses referring to saints who have gone before us whose accomplishments on the playing field are now part of history so here's what hebrews is saying run the race run the race so it's, it's speaking of a uh greek competition because you have a cloud of witnesses you have an arena a stadium event arena of those that have died before you and went to be with the lord that are cheering you on they're actually cheering you on so what does that mean it means there's it's a possibility again i'm just interpreting what i believe the bible says you don't have to agree with me i don't i don't benefit off of you agreeing with me so this is what he's saying, these spiritual athletes of old are now watching us, cheering us on from the great stadium of heaven, looking down on the field of earth. So earth is the field, it's the football arena and heaven is the stadiums where they're cheering us on. Now, some of them argue like, well, that was this meant that man referred to faithful service, all that. But this is clearly demonstrating that heaven is aware of what's going on on earth. Now there's more we can say, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's some type of awareness of people in heaven, there will be an awareness, I believe this through scripture, there will be an awareness that when you're in heaven, you're going to actually be able to see what's going on to an extent on earth. Now, is God gonna show you everything? I don't know, but there will be an awareness of people on earth and what is going on. Now, some people say, I know my grandma's looking down on me, I know my grandpa's looking down on me i know my child's looking down on me and to be honest with you guys i used to be like that's that's that doesn't make sense that's dumb no your grandma's not looking down but as i study scripture and read the bible and read the book of revelation study heaven i'm starting to think that actually that could be the case that you actually could have a grandparent that's looking down on you cheering you on so that you would run the race with endurance now some of you can say um how could you be in heaven and see bad things on earth well Think about this again this is going to mess with all your religious people but just think about this you say how could you be in heaven and see earth because you'd see bad things and the bible says there's no tears the bible says in the new jerusalem there's no tears but stay with me here abraham and lazarus the bible says saw the rich man in agony in hell and it didn't cause heaven to be any less heaven so do you understand there lazarus abraham saw the rich man burning in hell they're in paradise they're in heaven and they can see him burning in hell and they're in heaven. So that makes it clear that you still can see things from heaven to a certain extent. Again, don't argue me. Don't get mad at me. Go read your Bible. It's clear some of you don't because you're confused by all this. Okay. So angels in heaven also can see the torment of hell, but it doesn't remove the joy. Um, Some people quote Revelation 21.4. Here's what that says he'll wipe away every tear from their eye but you need to remember when it says he'll wipe every tear away it's talking about the new jerusalem revelation 21 is when we get introduced to the concept of the new jerusalem and it's saying that once the new jerusalem comes then every tear is gonna be wiped away. There's gonna be a new earth. This is where Satan is thrown into the lake of fire for all of eternity and every tear is gonna be wiped away. Why? Because there will be no evil, there will be no wicked. But we're not living in that heaven, we're living in the present heaven. Remember, there's another heaven coming. I didn't know I had to say this, but there's a lot more religious people than I thought in the chat tonight. There's another heaven coming called the new Jerusalem. And the Bible says the current earth and the current heaven will pass away and there will be a new earth and a new heaven. So the heaven I'm preaching about is the current heaven not the New Jerusalem. Again, people are going to manifest because they don't read the Bible. Okay. Will we become, next question, will we become angels when we get to heaven? All right. No, we won't. When you go to heaven, you're simply relocated from earth to heaven you're not changed into an angel so all of you that think you're gonna be a spirit with wings floating around and you're gonna be an angel you will not be an angel angels are angels and humans are humans angels will be there and they will be interacting according to the book of Revelation because in Revelation go read it because later some of you need you because you don't read the Bible enough. I can tell by your comments here but you're gonna angels are gonna be in heaven interacting with people in heaven but angels and humans are different people so you will not be an angel you will have the same identity you had on earth, with a glorified body in the present heaven, angels will have their own identity, their own story, their own assignment, and you will have your own identity, your own story, your own being, but you will not turn into an angel. Okay, will we have families and friendships in heaven? The Bible says we're gonna receive a glorified body and be relocated. It doesn't say God is gonna erase your history, and it doesn't say that you're not going to remember your family my daughters will always be my daughters. Now, you guys have heard all the stories I've heard. I've read books on people going to heaven. Every single one of them say they saw their grandmother, they saw their kids, they saw their dad, they saw their family, because you have to remember God's word throughout scripture is built on the idea of family. So to say that your kids are not going to be your kids or like, you won't know them. Now, it might not be that your relationship will be mother, father, daughter, but you will know and have an idea that, that was my daughter on earth like my three my four daughters are not just going to cease to exist and i get to heaven i'm like oh hi and they're my neighbor and i don't know who they are i will be aware that they were my daughters on earth because remember the entire bible is built on family and god is not going to erase the family he built the moment we get to heaven we will all be family but we'll also know our family when someone told jesus that his mother and brother were waiting to see him he replied my mother and brother are those who hear god's word and they put it into practice that's luke 8 8 19. Jesus was saying that devotion to God creates a transcending transcending tie that supersedes Biological ties so we will not just have family in heaven, but you will be attached to the global body of Christ In other words, everybody in heaven is going to be your family because you're going to be attached because Jesus said those that are My father are those that do the will of my father Jesus also said that those who follow him will gain brothers sisters mothers and children that's in mark ten twenty nine. again i'm giving you guys verses so don't don't start manifesting on me so yes you will be aware i believe again i believe you're going to be aware of your children not that you'll have a mother father relationship um i'm sorry not that you'll have a father daughter or mother son relationship but you will be aware that those were my kids on earth it's not just going to be a race like you get to heaven god's like okay you have no family you had nothing on earth and you're just going to exist up here that's not how heaven works okay next one and we're gonna get more controversial because I because it's the Word of God will there be marriage in heaven so one group of religious leaders the Sadducees tried to trick Jesus with a question about marriage in heaven and they didn't these guys didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead and they tried to make him look dumb and they told a story of a woman who had seven husbands that all died and they asked him now then at the resurrection whose wife will she be of the seven since they were all since they were all married to her and that's in Matthew 22 28 jesus responds listen to me okay at the resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage they will be like the angels in heaven so do angels marry in heaven angels don't marry in heaven so we will be like the angels in heaven so the bible doesn't teach There will be no heaven it teaches there will be one marriage and that's between christ and his bride and we are going to be part of that ephesians 5 31 says for this reason a a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh and this is a profound mystery paul says he says but i'm talking about christ and the church so earthly marriage think about this is merely an echo of the ultimate marriage between christ and his church Okay. So in heaven, will I be married to my wife? And the answer is no. Okay. So let me be clear. Cause some of you are confused. I will be aware that my, that was my wife on earth, but I won't be married to her. I believe that there, because here's the reason there will be no need for marriage, marriage. The ultimate marriage will take place, which is the marriage between Christ and his bride. Will, will we still be friends? Will we still know each other? Yes, but we're not going to have the institution of human marriage, the institution. Listen to me of human marriage will end because it's fulfilled its purpose because the purpose of marriage is to be a shadow of christ's relationship with us so the reason why there will be no marriage is because the purpose of marriage will already be completed the purpose of marriage is to be a shadow of christ's relationship with his church that's according to ephesians 5 31. So that's why Jesus says you'll neither be married or marry because the point of marriage will already be accomplished at the wedding banquet, the marriage of the lamb. So God is not just going to say, you'll never be able to see your wife. You'll probably know, Oh, on earth, listen to me closely. You'll be like, Oh yeah, on earth I was married, but in heaven, we don't need to be married because there's no one given to marriage nor married like the angels. So I hope that makes sense to you guys. So you will be aware That was my wife now we're just friends best friends however you want to say it but remember there'll be no need for marriage because marriage will be accomplished god's purpose for marriage so god doesn't replace or usually god doesn't replace original creation but when he does he replaces it with something better not worse so god's not going to remove marriage altogether he's going to fulfill the purpose of marriage now i want you to think about this the notion think about this that our relationships our friends and our families Will be lost in heaven does not make sense and it's unbiblical. There's no verse, listen to me closely, there's no verse that says you won't know your family in heaven you won't know your wife in heaven, you won't know your uh, your life on earth, because all the verses I'm giving you are pointing to the fact that you will be aware of what's going on in heaven. Now, will heaven be boring? People say, well, I'd rather have a good time in hell than be bored in heaven. And many people imagine hell as this fun place where you party and you hang out and that could never happen in heaven. But friend, understand, people say hell is a barbecue and I always tell them it is a barbecue and you're on the grill. There is no such thing as partying in hell. Hell is a place of torment, it's a place of isolation. It's a place where friendships and good times don't exist. Hell is the opposite of heaven. There's no relationships in heaven. In hell. There's no family in hell. There's no talking to people in hell. There's nothing good about hell. It's the exact opposite. So hell is going to be boring. Hell is going to be the worst place that's ever existed. Heaven is going to be enjoyable, fascinating, fun, refreshing, interesting, because all of those things derive from God. In fact, let me tell you what King David wrote in Psalm 16. 11. He said, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in the presence of God, there's pleasures evermore. God invented pleasure. God is the inventor of excitement. God is the inventor of passion. God is the inventor of joy. God is the inventor of fun. And so heaven is not going to be boring. You are going to have a trillion years will go by, and the word bored will not exist in your vocabulary. There's no such thing as bored in heaven. Doesn't exist because bored is all about perspective. It's like alcoholics. Who are convinced that they can't live happy lives without alcohol yet the people around them see that all it's bringing is misery and torment so alcoholics say i can't be happy without alcohol when all their friends and family say the alcohol is making you miserable so bored is a is an is a concept of of perspective religion's boring but when you really live for God, there's nothing boring about that. I've never been got bored in God's presence in my entire life. Imagine being in the presence of God and being bored. It doesn't exist. The best part of heaven. And this is the kicker guys, is that God is there. The number one best reason why we preach on heaven, why we want to go is because God dwells in heaven more than the crystal lake and more than the mansion that you'll have and more than the streets of gold you have to understand that God dwells in heaven. First Corinthians 2.9 says, but it has written that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. So we can't even begin to scratch the surface. I've been preaching for an hour and 20 minutes. We can't even begin to scratch the surface on how incredible heaven is. But what we can do is we can long for it. We can set our mind on it and we can look forward to it. Revelation 21 21 says and the 12 gates were per- were 12 pearls and each gate was made of a single pearl and the streets of The city were pure gold. This is the New Jerusalem They were transparent as glass and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God The Almighty and the lamb and the city has no need for the Sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God is the light and its lamp is the lamb by its light The nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it it, and the gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Friend, this is the promise of the new Jerusalem. This is the promise of the new heaven. This is God describing there is a new earth and a new heaven that far exceeds the existing earth and the existing heaven, that this life on earth is merely an intro To your life on eternity friend you are living right now your life right now with everything in you and all that you've accomplished and achieved is merely an intro into your actual life your actual home and i believe tonight God is opening up eyes. I believe God is bringing conviction. And I believe tonight is a night of breakthrough. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiasaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.